Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Beaumont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing this evening? He's sick, everyone. Don't yeah. let him fool you. He's sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought at first it was just allergies, but uh, yeah, it's back in into, a, I think, a little low-grade sinus infection. But, you know, I'm here. I'm here. And so am I. And this will be the Sarah monologue hour as I shall carry the show. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I feel like you've had some, like, soapbox moments recently. I haven't had a soapbox moment in a while. I yeah. just had, you know where I stand on this issue. Let me repeat myself and <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I guess I have had a few rants the last few last few shows of folks have... Uh, have noticed, but uh, I don't. I don't know if I have any rats in me this week. We we'll shall. We shall see what happens. And it's shocking, considering you, some of your most famous rant moments have come from talking about season five of The Flash, and yet tonight we can finally talk about the episode that just aired the other night. Yeah, we can. We can. And uh, I'm sure I will find something cool about. Just don't lose faith in me yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mean. I mean, what's there to talk about? You just have King Shark versus Gorilla Grodd. Cisco's probably going to leave the show. You have Joe back. You have, oh, we can't actually rant about Cicada tonight because he was not in the show. And that's although why I, and that's I was why I enjoyed afraid it. of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's he, why well, you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cicada was there in the sense that... Um, Obviously, Iris was still very shaken from her experience from uh, calls in excess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so the threat, you know, it goes back to something we, we've said um, in, in the past about uh, with another show that um, I, I was just watching recently, Star Trek Discovery. And they had a, there was an alien uh on Saru, one of the uh, Kelpians' planet, and you know sometimes the threat, uh, the the unknown, not showing the villain or the threat, is actually more scary than actually having them on. So, you know, Iris's PTSD actually was unusual for this show. Um, you know, given that her character usually is not the one that's dealing with those types of issues. But um, it was it was a good moment, especially having with Joe being back. Um, you know, we, we we've said that you could just plug in Cecile for Joe, but in that moment when I was watching those scenes between, in particularly just the good interaction between Candace and 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 Jesse L. Martin, I, I really have missed Joe, mm-hmm. and. I didn't realize, I guess it's one of those things you don't realize how much, how important some supporting characters are until they're gone. Mm-hmm. And you know, Joe being, not being there for, gosh, I guess it was a good, what, five or six episodes? I don't know. There was like two hiatuses in between. Yeah. And that as much as I appreciated what they did with Iris, because I think that's 
that kind of brings everything back down to reality. It kind of grounds everything when you realize that, no, these are people. And, yeah. of course, if somebody, if they go to a place that they view as safe and somebody is in there who is going to threaten you and potentially even kill you, all of a sudden the places where you thought was home and you were safe and suddenly like that security is gone. And it's very similar and it's something that the flash writers seem to have be able to portray better than what they're doing on arrow because they're trying to do that with Felicity this season. Yeah. Yet they're making her just a neurotic person about safety rather than, rather than what they did with Iris, which was a lot more subtler and just allowed her to regain her power um, by working it out with her father. So my only complaint, though, is there was a hiatus in between. I completely forgot about what happened in the previous episode. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like, I was like, why is she, is she still on that? Wasn't that like weeks ago? It it was weeks ago. (laughs) I was just like, why is that so, it's not, it didn't just happen last week, but in her world it did, and I don't even understand, like the, the timeline has changed 52 times, why aren't we focused on that whatever <laughs> yeah oh don't, don't worry they'll, they'll get there they'll get there maybe <laughs> as early as next week maybe maybe yeah yeah i you know i it was funny when i recall when we were talking about um cause and excess it, it was a returned form and as much as this episode it didn't further the the time space continuum stuff that I really like when they delve into, but it, this is still classic flash. Yeah. I mean, gorilla garage and King shark. Um, I didn't have as much gorilla garage as I would have appreciated, but I still like it. You also have that, that moment that we haven't seen in a while, but every now and then Barry does do something to piss off Caitlin and Cisco. And yep. And yet, yet that great team dynamic come, suddenly realized, like, Barry can be a really good villain. Yeah. <laughs> Season three. Um, but he just, he you know, sometimes he just gets too focused on what he deems is right and yeah. not realize the consequences of that decision. It, you're, you're so correct on that. He, he is very, you know, he does have a very strict moral code about him and and he, he gets very rigid and that rigidity definitely works to his can work to his detriment and and as you said it's it's good to have that original team flash dynamic where they can just kick Barry and say look dude really seriously but I on the but on the but the other hand, with the the choice that Barry makes to, because uh, you know, it really gets into the deeper issues of consent and medical. You know, when I think about medical treatments and those kind of things, I mean, they really mind that, um, you know, kind of superficially, because they really could have gotten a lot deeper in that. But I know that this show is not um, not one to do that. Um, but I do think. The, the interplay argument that Barry and Cisco are having in particular about uh, whether or not to save him, 
um, it was one of those things where it was, you know, pointed out that, that philosophical choice that, you know, heroes make each and every day when they, when they suit up. And, mm -hmm. and I, I like that they went there a little bit, um, to just to just to remind us because again like you, as you were saying it it, it 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 grounds the show when when they do that and and yet you know and it was a good solid like classic flash episode because that's one of the things that really you know stood out in some of those earlier seasons when they had shows like this where they really did you know of course they had the great action and we'll you know obviously we'll talk about the king shark grod battle at the end but you know, it was the what's been missing when people I think when people say Barry's been diminished or whatever is these types of dynamics where the team has and he really he only can, he can he gets that when he he faces off with Caitlin and Cisco on these types of questions uh, because right. they're talking at it, at it as far as more as a team versus when. Barry and, and Iris have these discussions. It's like two spouses talking together. And so, you know, there's just a different dynamic there. And um, and I think that core dynamic of those three characters really, you know, really is the heart of the show. And I'm glad that, that was focused, you know, that was highlighted again this week. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to go back to what you were saying about just the storytelling elements – I really, um, at first, I was kind of like, all right, let's wrap it up. I clearly know what's happening here. So Gorilla Garad is controlling King Shark, and he's cured. Oh, he's not cured, and then he takes a cure. Um, but I like that, that moment of realization about how he really um, did make the ultimate sacrifice and when he chose to become King Shark at the end of the day, because that was what was right in the moment. There was no other option. And those are really the heroic moments. Um, and that, that sacrifice mm -hmm. that, you know, and, and I, maybe it's too early to even get into this, but um, I think, I think maybe that's what a lot of people are talking about when they say that Barry's been diminished. He hasn't been making as many sacrifices. He hasn't, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and again, <laughs> something that continues to bother me is you're, you're, you keep talking to your daughter about how you can't mess with the time timeline or else you know it'll crack and it'll splinter and reality will shift forever. She's been in present day or current day, her past, for how long? Um, <laughs> how long is this? Like, like, there's just something about it where it seems very convenient. And yet, and, and we know as viewers that she's traveling back and forth between the future and the past. So, so, so what, what are the consequences um, for, for this action? I understand why he made that decision in the pilot in the first episode this season when he said, he realized that she grew up grew up without him, and this may be his only chance. That's selfish, Barry. Very, very. Oh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, very selfish. And I'm glad you brought that point up because you know he 
he learned through Flashpoint when he put himself, made that very selfish choice. Uh, you know, basically seasons three and four were the ramifications of that selfish choice of Flashpoint and how that, you know, obviously caused you know, Cisco lost Dante, um, you know, Caitlin Frost, I mean, you know, set off Savitar. I mean, any number of things that because of his selfishness has, you know, led to uh, other people having major sacrifices. And so, you know, I think the lecture, you know, when he gave Jay's lecture to uh, Nora at the end of Calls in Excess, it was it was good, but you know, it was almost like he should have had that with her, like a whole heck of a lot earlier. Right. Right. Exactly. So that she wouldn't have done those, you know, mess with the timeline 52 times. I mean, good gosh, they're lucky that, you know, obviously we're going to see the, as we, as we move forward, um, the ramifications of that. And one of those, you know, obviously, some of the things that have been positive, like move or potentially positive, like moving Iris is starting the newspaper sooner and some of the other things. But, you know, there's going, you know, we're, we're going to see some time race coming soon. And, mm-hmm. and, and also, um, Fawn, you know, whatever scheme he has to, that he's going to use to torment Barry this time. Um, you know, we're going to see the concept, you know, the consequences of her messing around with the timeline. Uh, where hopefully. she may even, yeah, hopefully, where she may even Marty, Marty McFly herself and not be, and, and, and this time not be able to, you know, correct things and, and, and save herself in, in this particular time continuity. Which, which, when is, is constantly what, what happens on these shows in the sense that there are so, there's such a history with these characters and their legacies and their stories that they want to try to give everybody a moment. And that causes like, okay, so now we're done with this character. Let's rewrite the timeline. Yep. <laughs> Suddenly we can come up with this whole new dynamic. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I mean, speaking about timelines, yeah. um, so I can't help talk about The Flash this week and not talk about Arrow. I don't want to get into the episode that recently aired or anything, but I do want to address the announcement yeah. that happened yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Um, Arrow will be wrapping after its eighth season, which will be only 10 episodes long. Um, go figure. 10th episode this year was the part two of the crossover mm-hmm. 10th of episode next year. Like that would be kind of like doing a show wrong. If you air a crossover episode as your final, like your yeah. series finale. So we'll see how they figure that out. All out. Um, so, well, t- you know, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a very good point. Cause all the, all the analysis and all the people tweeting and, and posting on Facebook and everything. I haven't, you're the first person I think that has raised that point. Oh, <laughs> I just <laughs> thought of it. <laughs> yeah, no, but it makes sense to, I mean, if you're going to honor the show that basically kicked, you know, that basically was the game changer for the superhero genre on television. 
mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I, I, it's you know I don't think we're overstating that. Mm-hmm. Um, it you, you, you do need to give it a proper send off, and to get it back in universe, that means Oliver has to survive survive the crisis. Maybe. <laughs> well, unless you have, I mean, I mean, unless you're going to have the finale be like a a clip show or something like that, where or big, you know, where they most finales ha- are. Yeah. Um, it it's. Uh, I don't. We don't know at the end of the day what they're going to do because, yeah. um, again, there's there's so much. Because this show kicked off this universe that includes time travel, that includes Lazarus pits, that includes all of this stuff where at the end of the day, if Oliver Queen dies in crisis, will he reappear like in the Flash series finale or, you know, on Legends? We have no idea. Like, and that's that's part beauty and part a little irritating because there's also several fans who only watch arrow right and and they do that for various reasons or people who only watch flash and so it it's just it's kind of i i mean again this is the beauty and the kind of annoyance of it all we we know most likely he will die in crisis why are we wasting 18 more episodes on viewing a future of where Star City continues to be crappy? And and this is the legacy he left behind and this is the sacrifice he made? Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's what's getting under my skin. And that's where I really need Nora to come in and re- and change the timeline 52 times because I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that idea that... Yes, he he goes that full journey from vigilante murderer to hero vigilante to just an unmasked hero to to make the ultimate hero sacrifice in crisis. Yet at the same time, this series was all about him saving his city and he didn't do that. So now yeah. what his daughter and son are supposed to like, yeah. like there's something it's really getting under my skin, how yeah. they're, how see, this is being created. Yeah. And see, I think, I think this exercise of what we're seeing as far as this season seven flash forwards is a potential, again, a potential future, mm-hmm. but, yeah, as we know with these shows, things get reset all the time. And so I think the proper legacy, the proper send-off is to have his legacy be where he did state did not fail the city. Because otherwise you just wasted eight years of this great arc with this character. Right. Right. So I don't so I, so I don't think it's gonna end that way. Mm-hmm. No, I and, I agree. And, yeah, and, and and quite frankly, it, it could be one of those things where, you know, they have Oliver, you know, have the send off pre crisis that their finale hits, you know, before, you know, they have a proper finale before the crossover, mm-hmm. and then and then just elements of Arrow, you know, various members of the team show up in the crossover where he mm-hmm. might make the sacrifice there, but you know, I don't know. 
mean, yeah. there's, there's any number of ways I can go about it, but I, I hope they do right by the series and, and not like the, like what they did with their hundredth, where it was a part of a crossover event. They give them a, a proper send off uh, as a standalone show. It, thank you for mentioning that because I was thinking about that while I brought up the series. Um, because as much as we want to sit here and be like the right thing to do would be for this to end properly. Um, yet they, they already screwed them over during the hundredth hundredth episode. So we'll see if they learn from that mistake because a lot of people called them out for that. Yeah. So, so we, you know, you know, we got a year and, yeah. and I think overall, these are just good lessons. Like Arrowverse proved that building a universe on TV can work and it is very profitable and it's what viewers crave, especially given the MCU and everything. But at the same time, there are ways to, to coordinate this without reducing stakes so much. Like don't do flash forwards, maybe one episode or two episode to get it like an, Oh my God moment. But currently it's kind of just, just an annoyance for me and then also just be very be very careful about how making sure like these shows not only do they work fantastic together um as a collective but they can run very smoothly independently too Mm -hmm. um speaking about a collective and group of heroes let's talk about doom patrol that's that's so, okay, I, I don't even know where to start in this conversation, but I'm going to start here in the sense that I had an out loud laugh moment in watching the most recent episode. And it's the most subtle thing, and I don't know why it hit me as so amusing, but when they're in the hotel and they do the pan shot of the girls on one bed and then they yep. move over... And Cyborg, <laughs> Robot Man, Negative Man are all on the same bed. It just, it, it was so, like, endearing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love that. Like, it was subtle, and you could see N- Negative Man, it, his face is completely covered, and yet there's so much emotion. Same totally. thing with Robot Man. And yeah. I love this show. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's quickly becoming my new favorite too um it's just so you know like you said so many little things subtle things like that that Mm -hmm. that make this show work and and this week's episode in particular really spoke to me as far as uh they're you know really exploring more of negative man's backstory Mm -hmm. and and how you know and and how you know, when he went into the into the I don't, I don't, the creation machine for uh, Mister Nobody, right. um, he and, and splitting out and really being that you know the negative energy life force being you know a real um, like reflection a mirror of, of Larry. Yep. And how and and Larry Larry's you know secret and Larry's like you know doing everything you know to, to you know be this hero 
and and live a life where you know in the 1950s 60s america and even present day i mean dealing with it now you know where you know, not being free to be explore sexuality and mm-hmm. and and then when he had the accident and how you know his his just the pain you know, his wife realizes that you know this was all a sh- she realized then that you know in his pain and everything after the after the incident that he he did indeed love someone else and she you know she she let him go so he could explore that but then after all you know after larry and his partner had he was having an affair with had the opportunity to be free larry pushes him away mm-hmm. and 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 it's just like how he keeps trying to push away the negative energy and so it's just you know it's just great storytelling in that regard and then you look at Cyborg, and I love how you know, you know, his dad. It's just like, yeah, you want to be a superhero, huh? <laughs> and it's like, nope, you can't have the Justice League jet. <laughs> I like but before we jump to Cyborg, I want to go back to Negative Man because yeah. my favorite moment was actually his brief conversation with Crazy Gene, mm. because I didn't. I didn't think about that parallel about how she has all of these different personalities and yet as much there's pain in there, but she's not resistant. She knows who she is in a way (laughs) one minute at a time, but um, there's almost a degree of an acceptance that negative man just now without the chief is trying to gain as he tries to um, go with his, his family essentially now and, and realize that, that he has to figure this out because this is, has been a part of him for decades now and it's just literally eating him alive and he's got to figure out how to, how to accept it, accept who he is on the inside as much as he is on the outside and and I, re- I I just I just liked that moment because I didn't like that dynamic and I think that's what I really enjoy about this this um, show is they do the pairings cleverly yeah. like to j- go back to cyborg cyborg and um, I, I I never know her name but um, the actress yeah the actress it, the, like. They too are constantly. Um, they're deemed as like perfection, and mm-hmm. and they're struggling with their own fear. and And I liked how they brought that up. And I I don't know. They're they they're very clever with how they are utilizing all these characters' common goal to get chief. Like like that's what shows like Titans. And uh, Legends of Tomorrow and a few other shows that seem to seem to try to gather all of these um, deadly class, which we're going to talk about later, continues to have that same problem. You know, set in your pilot episode, set that goal. What makes all of these people really united? And then as they're going about to achieve it, you can start to really delve into bits and pieces of their their past, their individual stories, while unifying um, to create a collective arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's that's a very good point about that. And uh, I just remember the car- uh, Elastigirl is who he was yep. paired with, and mm-hmm. it, it, and that's you know each you know you were talking about family, 
and mm-hmm. trying to find a sense of belonging. And the way they're constructing this group of individuals to get that collective goal is not like a very it's not a contrived kind of thing. Uh, it's right. like you said, it's a very solid way of storytelling of of you know these collection of misfits coming together and mm-hmm. and and all the little small moments like you know for example cyborg and the justice league jet and you know he you know, you know it's good i'm actually glad i see why they brought cyborg into the show now because mm-hmm. he is used to being a part of the justice league and you know they you know have the the team work and the camaraderie and they have all these great resources at their disposal and everything. And, and then now you got the doom patrol here who is like, you know, in this, you know, Matt, you know, locked away with the chief because the chief is just trying to help them, you know, with their individual idiosyncrasies and, and, and problems. And, and they're not perfect. Like justice yep. league members are perceived to be. And so, it, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really, it's really a very good show because, you know, as we've just discussed, you know, the Arrowverse as far as a shared universe and, you know, what we typically think of like superhero shows to be, uh, this one flips it on, on its head and, and, and it really works in so far, uh, but I, you know, but I, I feel confident now we're, we're three episodes in. You know, by this point in Titans and other shows, you can start seeing some of the flaws. And so far, this show's been very solid. Absolutely, I think just stay the course. I, I, there's something about the writing where I'm confident that they know exactly where they want to go. Mm-hmm. And and by episode three, that's what you should have confidence that this is actually going somewhere. Yeah. And and there's a there's a purpose for it. And yeah, I, I agree with you. Cyborg, at first, he he was used in a way to replace Jane because she got sucked up um, by the albino donkey. Never yeah. thought I'd say that. <laughs> um, and 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 now he's he, they've also been able to through that whole expedition be able to say no. He's going to try to prove something different. He's mm-hmm. um, after this to prove his to his own father. So yeah. I don't know. I just, I love it. It's endearing out of all the shows of misfits. Um, so far I'm, I'm much more in favor of doom patrol than its counterparts. I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but now, now deadly class, it's not technically the same kind of show. I, I mean, Doom Patrol is more similar to Legends of Tomorrow and Umbrella Academy than it is yeah. Deadly Class. Yep. Um, because Deadly Class isn't necessarily about superheroes. It's based off of a comic, but it's not necessarily superpower people. Right, right. We're talking assassins. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know where I stand with this show anymore. And I, the, the latest episode where they're all locked in their rooms for basically the whole episode and Saya and Maria basically come to a head, um, I thought was stronger than a lot of the recent episodes mm-hmm. because it reminded me that this is why Marcus is so different than everybody else is because he's a rat and 
he doesn't have that family, that clan, that history, that legacy. And I've, I almost forgot until this episode how much Saya and Maria do. And I didn't even realize that they would be at war with one another. But, you know, it's th- that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's been building over the course of the last, I guess, two, three episodes. Um, you know, because I, I remember when we first started watching this, this series and, you know, we... I think it was the first or second episode where Saya and Marcus had that moment on the rooftop. And I think you were, we, you know, we were laughing about ships, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe starting to sell. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so they let, they laid the groundwork way back at the beginning. Uh, but of course, as things progressed, it became, it's actually Maria and Marcus who ended up uh, hooking up and having the, having the relationship. So, you know, it's been one of those things that's been building. And and because of the death of Chico and also, uh, what was his name? Um, I just watched the episode and I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, part of the, part of the you know, clan, uh, one of the other, uh, other factions in the school, um, it really, you know, all the secrets and, things that Mark, you know, that Marcus has built on a lie and, and all those things kind of are, are, are coming to a head. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we had the fight there in the caf- cafeteria there with Maria and Saya. Um, didn't get finished, but it, it's, it, this, this, this has been building. And so, it you know it opens the door it opened the door to for Marcus to you know, to basically really share you know basically tell the whole class at least at least his cohort that he that he spends most time with look y'all here's the deal and and of course Master Lin you know, forces the issue too with him taking him to uh, interrogation whenever Marcus sneaks out and you know showing him all those videos of family but. I think this episode succeeded because of that, uh, because it had. I mean, it, the show has gone a bit adrift the last couple episodes. I mean, the Vegas trip was like, you know, it was funny. It had its moments, but you know, but even though this was also a bottle show, it seemed to be a bottle show to get things reoriented back to what the core of this of this this series is about. Right, exactly. I I felt the same way. It's a it's a very similar bottle episode that they did um, in the detention episode, where they were all locked in detention, and of course, um, the yakuza is out to get Saya, and that's where you have the classic rooftop moment. Um, that's a very good good episode. It's similar to this one. And as much as I didn't like the Las Vegas trip as a whole, that final sequence with Chico's death is a good domino that they've just been allowing to fall and create this tension and this realization that like that moment between Lynn and Maria um, or no, not Lynn and Maria. It was between Maria and Lynn's sister. Yeah, Gal. Yeah, Master Gal. Gal. 
yeah. Master Gal, um, was so good because she she spoke nothing but the truth. Mm-hmm. Like Maria is really the cancer. It's not Marcus. I mean, you could say Marcus coming to the school really brought all of this on in a way, but it's Maria has been using Marcus since day one. And and if you go back to watch those first few episodes, they really did a good job with making sure you knew exactly why Chico's death had to happen and why it had to be from Maria. And now she's suffering from the consequences. Um, And so you realize, like, why did it take her so long to do that? Well, I mean, she knew this would happen. This is a shit show. Yeah, yeah. Um, But and I and I didn't realize uh, the previous episode when when she killed someone from the Yakuza in the class that um, that would suddenly twist everything. I mean, it's one thing that Maria knew Saya had feelings for Marcus and then now Maria's dating Marcus. But, but now on top of that, she, there's, there's a turf war and both of them are leaders. And, and I like how at the end, Saya really makes a choice. I don't know if it's the right one because Maria's got to pay for her consequences eventually, right? I mean, that's at the end of the day what's not happening. Yeah, yeah. She's going to have to pay for the consequences of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, and I guess with uh, Fuckface, with uh, uh, the well, that's his name, and um, you know, with uh, you he just know, Marcus said it so casually, yeah, well, you know, that's his name, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, you know, him basically threatened to blow the whole thing up with about Chico's death, you know, I think it's important now that Marcus told Master Lynn that what 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 was really going on because that's going to be the that's going to be the card that is going to you know save Marcus and the rest of the kids from the incident that happened in Las Vegas. Mhm. Uh, cuz when I was watching I was like, "Oh boy, this this really sucks. He's like spilling the beans on everything. Where is this going to go?" But now I have when you think back to the previous episode or so where you know Fuckface calls Marcus and says, "Hey, I, you know, I know about your little adventure in Las Vegas and I know all about you and you claiming all my credit for what happened at the boys home at the youth home. And, you know, I'm going, you know, so it, it, you know, it forces, it forces Marcus's hand, but you know, we're at the penultimate episode now. So uh, next week. So it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it will, you know, all these little, all these little threads as far as like, as, as you're saying with Maria and Saya and they're in there, you know, starting out to be very good friends and now they've become rivals and, um, you know, there's Victor and, and Brandy and, you know, working for master Gal and master Lynn trying to, you know, hold, hold the school together. And at the same, you know, at, at, the, at the same time trying to save his daughter mm-hmm. from, from the clans, um, you know, as well. I mean, it's, I mean, there's what I like about this show has multiple textures and multiple layers and so many subplots that, 
you know, you'd almost sometimes need a, a chart to like keep track of like, you know, what's going on with we, each, uh, with each particular faction because, um, you know, because e, e, each one is interrelated to the others. And, you know, as you were saying with Chico's death being, you know, a domino that caused other things to fall, all these other little side events are also part of that, dom- that chain of dominoes that, um, you know, makes up for the, for the, for the whole of the series. Yeah, that no, that's a great way to put it as as textures, um, and and I as much as like the last few episodes haven't really hit me as much as like the first four, um, I still am confident that the the writers know where they're going, and I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a choice that Lynn has to make that goes back to Marcus's point. Why have a skill school where assassins are being trained and yet they are bloodlines of right. the most rich and powerful people in the world? Like, where's the justice in that? What is the moral code? Um, and and the loyalty and that difference between just training soldiers for social class war and training people to to make sure that the the bad guys quote unquote really do suffer and really do pay the price and and i and i and i think that's where they're going and potentially that choice will end the season and catapult us into season two where it's still going to be but much more of a surface war between lynn and master gal mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. yeah all right. Well, if you like any of these theories and want to tell us your your own theories about any of these shows, why don't uh, Will? Why don't you tell our listeners where they can tweet you their thoughts? Yes, you can tweet me your thoughts, and my voice will be much better next week at Will M Polk. That's W I L L M P O L K. And you can find me on Twitter at S J Belmont S J B E L M O N T. Please follow our crew on at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome.